Hey everybody, welcome to the Grainy Days Podcast. My name is Dustin, and with me this week is Edward Conde, and we have a guest, Mr. Jose Chavez. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good. How about yourself? Pretty good. Good. So, no Mac again tonight. Um, He teased us and said he might be able to make it, uh, and then he could not make it. We're bummed out about it, but we're hoping that means that he will be back soon. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. So, I'm gonna boycott him and start watching his YouTube stuff. Yeah, man. Tell him. I don't you know, I don't think he's been putting out YouTube stuff either though. He's just been kind of focused on his health and get himself taken care of. And, yep. You oh, know, as long as well, it works, good for him. That's what we yeah. want. We want him yeah. to be back full strength and healthy as soon as possible. So um exactly. we're, just gonna, we're just gonna keep sending him some good vibes and hope he's back soon. But Yeah, definitely. We're gonna we're not going to talk about Mac all episode. We're here to talk to, talk to you. So, um, why don't you kind of introduce us to who you are and um, how we might know you and what you've been what, what you're what you're up to? I guess. Well, my name is Jose Chavez, and also known as Fotoluz Twelve. A lot of people know me by that name. Yeah, even on the streets, they're like, "Oh, it's Fotoluz," but they don't really know my name, so they can't really, you know, associate. Jose and Fotoluz, they just know a Fotoluz, but they never seen me, so they just know Fotoluz, and they've seen some of my work, um, and just, you know, that's pretty much, pretty much it. So, you're based out of California, like these guys too, right? I am, actually. I uh, grew up in uh, Echo Park, and been, you know, uh all the way through high school and um, of course got married i have a daughter uh, i live out here in orange county i live in the city of la habra okay and oh. that's where i'm based off of that it's like a foreign language to me you could be telling me about your um <laughs> you're like nigerian prince family and it yeah. would it would go over my head because i don't know anything about cal about southern california <laughs> geography but i know ed does and probably county- a lot of our listeners too it's just yeah, south, Orange County is a more, more peaceful. Yeah, it's, more peaceful. I thought all of yeah, California yeah, was peaceful, a, more man. Peace. That's why people move out. Nah, there. well, <laughs> yeah, well, OC is a little bit more, you know, more peaceful and you know, just less less chaotic. Like LA is really gotcha. constantly, you know, crazy and a lot of stuff going on there. But you know, I love LA, so I'm always down there all the time. So that's cool. Yeah. So you know our previous guest, um, Robert, Mr. Robert Lainez, the jester himself. Mr. Lainez, yeah. So how do you guys know each other? Just like through Instagram? Yeah. Did you meet up that way? No. Or? I actually how'd you, met how'd you meet that guy. I, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying, how'd you meet that guy? <laughs> oh, how did I meet that guy? Yeah. Oh, in a dark corner, in an alley, and I was going to rob him of his camera. No. Um,. <laughs> I actually met Robert at a when they had the when the meetup was big here in, in LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a meetup, and uh, I decided to go. And I went with a friend of mine, uh, a real good friend. That he's another photographer. That me and him would partner up, and then we would get you know start projects and shoot you know uh, together with the same person, like model, and, and then you know show the different aspects of a you know as a photographer to that model or you know whoever we were shooting and so we went and i saw robert there and 
And I and then I just introduced myself, and he did to himself, and you know, we just kept in contact, and ever since we've been, you know, keeping keeping in touch, and so I moved out to uh, OC, and he goes, "Oh, dude, you live close to me," and I go, "Cool." So ever since we've been, you know, here and there hanging out, uh, and of course, he found out that I shot a lot of a lot of film, and he kept asking mm-hmm. a lot of questions, like, "Man, how, how do you do this? How do you know?" Like, you know your ISO and your aperture, how can you relate that? And like, well, it's, it takes practice. Practic you know, practically if you know your your exposure triangle, that would really help you big time, you know, in knowing mm-hmm. light. Basically yeah. if you if you just pay attention to what light does and its characteristics, mm-hmm. you will know how to pretty much use it. Same thing with, you know, your exposure triangle. Yeah. It, you know, if you're if you're uh high ISO and you're shooting in sunlight Where's your aperture going to be? Mm-hmm. You know, you, of course you're going to be like, "Whoa, I need a lot of, a lot of uh, speed or close down the lens." So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he he really grasps uh, the film very very well, and I guess he needs to put really. Uh, he's a person that likes to really research a lot of things, you know, mm-hmm. and he he does a lot of uh, like sitting down listening to. To people talk about how their experiences and he kind of really uses that and applies it to himself which is pretty cool because i yeah. don't do that you know i just pretty much mm-hmm. do what the hell i want to do and and let's see how it comes out so i know my own experience but he used that very well you know for his knowledge and to make it i guess work for him and yeah. you know he's a pretty smart guy for that so basically you're you're his yoda then right i mean that's apparently the <laughs> apparently I am. Because, apparently I am, uh, in a sense, to when it comes to cameras and film. Yeah, right. You know, because I've been exposed, and I'm sure you have as well, uh, to all the film that we had back in the '90s. You know, uh, well, I used to go into uh, freestyles back in the '90s, mm-hmm. and they had these big fridge, see-through fridges. You name it, it was there. All the film, they it's all gone. It was all in there, and it mm. was just whatever you wanted. All the chrome film, all the black and white film, and you know how some liquor stores there were like little jars that you can just stick your hand in there and like, oh, here for fifty cents you can grab like four pieces and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, they had they had a jar for black and white film that was expired, and you can have it for fifty cents a roll. Oh, that was yeah, you can't then. do that anymore. Yeah, no. yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's I unheard to, of I around to, here. I used to buy Arista. Uh, Arista had another another uh, type of film back then. It was black and white. It used to come in a black uh, a black box with yellow letters, and I don't think it. I, I forgot what it was, but it was fifty cents for one twenty, and I would buy maybe five bucks worth back then, and I would shoot it on a old uh, Russian Lubitel sixty six, mm-hmm. and I just love that little. Cam- That's how I started into medium format because of that little camera. Mm. Oh, nice! But yeah, yeah, he's pretty much savvy in a lot of films because that's how I got him started. I go, I go look at what renders, what film renders, how it does it. Especially, yeah. I'm a person that likes to shoot expired film. I don't mm. care what it is; it's expired. Yeah. Let's shoot it. Let's see what happens. Let's see what we yeah. come up with. You know, how are you going to know it's going to render? You get a lot of a lot of film right now that's out there that's trying to mimic what you know. Uh, over uh, exposed uh, exposed uh, old film 
And I think there's a couple of them out there that just came out like that. It gives you that, you know, that look. So I don't know what they're doing to kind of like get that, you know, but you can get it from expired film that's like from the 80s and 90s. And yeah, sometimes it's a little gamble, but you know, a majority of the time, I would say 80%, you get good, good results. There's a couple of uh, shots that I've done on that's on my page. And it's, you, I, I don't know if you guys remember uh, the Fuji Super HG uh, 3 or something like that. Mm-mm. I think I might have seen that box. It's old. It's back in, I think, 2000 or, ni- or 1990 something. And I shot some of that. And, and yeah, it was grainy, but you know what? I love that. I love green, yeah. you know, especially in color or black and white, don't matter. It, not everything has to be super clean. And if that's the thing, then stick with digital. Because if that's, you, you can't embrace the, the inconsistency that film has, then you need to stick with digital, you know, because that's what film is. It's very inconsistent. You know, that's, that's the, the part that I love about it, that, that characteristic that gives that, that feel to it, you know, that, uh, whatever you're trying to uh, foretell a story in it and, and, you know, the grain and the way it's just, it's old sometimes, it helps and it makes it, you know, it evokes a feel to it and that's what really drives me nuts about film that I, I can't stop shooting it, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't... Very nice. I don't know. I, I like grain in my photos for sure. Um but I don't find it inconsistent really at all. A lot of the stocks I shoot are like extremely consistent with getting the same looks from roll to roll. Uh, I don't shoot a lot of expired film, and that might be why I don't deal with like the inconsistencies. But I, I definitely like the grain in my look or in my photos. Uh, that's why I develop a lot with Rodinal. Uh, it is kind of to help highlight that grain in a way. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean. It doesn't necessarily have to be that the world, you know, the role is expired. Uh, that's one of the factors that it expired. And the other factor is the development. Not all of us have the same water. Some of us right. have hard water. Some other the pH levels are different. And that's what I mean by the inconsistency because sometimes I do do it off the tap. And sometimes I do it 99 cents bottle from, from the grocery store, mm-hmm. you know. So I try different things, and that's what I mean by inconsistent because it never's the same. Yeah. You know, sometimes it, it might highlight a lot of uh, tonals that uh, tone like for the shadows or uh, deep black. Sometimes, and sometimes you don't get it with Rotonol. Sometimes you have to use other developers to kind of really, you know, saturate that blackness of it. But once you know how to do it, you do it. You know, mm-hmm. and you kind of and other people they just stick to one thing that. Hey, that's what I like, and that's which is cool. No problem with that. I'm I just don't stick with anything, dude. I'm just you can say I'm a I'm a whore in the lab because <laughs> I just that's a you fun t- way you to name be, it. I'll tr- <laughs> but I always been like that. I'm, I'm I've always been a risk taker. Like you know, let's give it a try. Why not? If I burn a roll, oh well, you know, then I know what not to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and if it did work, then I write it down. I write down everything what I do. It did work. This is what I did. How much time? Um, like, a, uh, for example, uh, Kodachrome 64. There's not really a true time for it. So you have to do a lot of playing around with it and with what. So last time I, I shot a roll and I shot a friend of mine with that. And, dude, that roll is so, it's just a beautiful, it's a black and white, you got to remember, it's a black and white film with RGB layered on top of it. 
Right. And that's how they and that's how they used to get uh, great results, uh, you know, in, in the coloring. But, yeah, it was such a volatile um, way just to, you know, ex- uh, expose it, to bring out the colors and have great, you know, pictures out of it. But so I did it in black and white uh, and I developed it on HC 110. And I think I uh, did it for 11 minutes and boom, it came out. Now, the only difference between the black and white and, of course, the true K14, I think, oh, KP14 uh, developer is that on the black and white, you you leave the yellow layer on. It stays on. It won't come off. The only way it would come off is through, I think, an alkaline, uh, mm. true alkaline bath that would strip that le- yellow layer. But that yellow layer is so thick that it's almost black. And if you shine the light through that that expo- uh, developed roll, it's gonna it's gonna see it's it's yellow. You'll see it's yellow. And there's an image, and that image is so sharp. And I wish it was just like black and white. And you'll see how sharp that that role is, you know, and you'll see how the true of what Coral Quorum was because of that black and white it was what made it so special. And then, you know, of course the, the layering of the of the colors that yeah. brought all the pop those colors back then. So hmm. but you know, stuff like that you, you you learn and of course from reading and uh about that film and hearing other people like there's this one guy up north in Oregon that figured out how to actually develop Kodachrome. Yeah, you're talking about Kelly Shane Fuller? Kelly Shane, yeah, Kelly yeah. Shane Fuller. That guy's badass, man. Yeah, I mean, he's been doing hey, it for a couple of years now, but he, I guess he's he finally, finally got... figured out. The, yeah, he finally got it. But even though the way he was doing it back then, dude, I loved it. Yeah, it because it was it was gnarly. It was so nostalgic. The way it felt, the way he did it before, he actually found out the true way to do it. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I'm, yeah. and I hope that he can do that, that type, and of course the the new way that he's doing it now. That would definitely be a, a you know it would benefit me. I definitely would shoot a roll of that stuff, and send it to him. You know, it would be worth it, definitely. That's one thing that I had in mind is him, uh, sending a couple of rolls to him and, and see you know how it pans out with that. I'm, I'm curious to see how it comes out. So I got a pretty good amount of uh, Kodachrome in my my fridge that I'm itching to try. Mm. Yeah, I have a couple of rolls of it, but I I just kind of have it on my shelf as like a little, I guess, display <laughs> with my cameras. I don't think I'll shoot it. I'm not, you know, I like Ektachrome. I'm going to, when it comes to like slide film, I'm going to shoot fresh slide film, it, you know. Fresh slide film? Yeah, it's just... You know they've they spent a lot of money trying to bring Kodachrome or Ektachrome back, and you know if you don't spend money on Provia or Velvia, like it's going to go away. So I'm I'm not sure. I'm no. not trying to shoot any um, slide film that's not fresh. It's just not worth it to me. Yeah, I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. That's the pretty much the only thing that I would try because it's you know it's new. You know, trying to like at least have a small percentage for Kodachrome, but yeah, you're right. I definitely yeah. will would support the Ektachrome and of course any slide film that's out there, you know, yeah. and try to keep it in you know living, just like any anything that's out there right now. 
and I make it disappear. Save Kodak Gold, baby. Got to save oh, yeah. Kodak Gold. Save Kodak Gold. Yeah, def, dude. Kodak Gold is my. I don't know, man. Because of Kodak Gold, and also that it's expired, yeah. is what really pushed me a lot to shoot it more and more. You know, because the, uh, when it's expired, the negative tends to get very. You know how when you develop it, it's very uh, kind of uh, amberish. Mm-hmm. Okay, the expired stuff is very chocolatey, and it changes the tone on the skin. And I love that. It, hmm. And when I get rolls like that and I develop them, and they're very chocolatey, I was like, dude, I'm so like so. Like, mm-hmm. where can I get more of this more more recently expired stuff? Because it just, I don't know if it, it's because of that or it's just the way at that time it came off of that batch. You know what I mean? You're gonna have yeah. people. You're gonna have people rushing out to get it again. <laughs> I know. I know. They're gonna they're gonna go buy it up just so they can put it in their their like on a shelf oh, no, and let it sit for a couple of years. Yep. <laughs> but it, it's just I I don't know. It's just something about that film when it's expired. It's just dude, it's just, it's beautiful. Yeah, you know, it's, it's stuff like that that I pay attention to. Like, damn, you know, like okay, I'm I'm trying to find like every key and highlight of of that film of you know at its state that it is what's the characteristic why why is it that i love it you know and so i i'm hoarding like crazy and just like stocking up on as much as i can possibly get yeah so just like peel part i'm sitting on on a good amount of peel part right now oh boy you better shoot that up as soon as you can i i heard a lot of horror stories about it drying up on people um nah I mean, trust me, I've been sitting on a lot of it, and I've been having, don't get me wrong, I have, uh, you know, a few packs that have gone dry on me, but uh, like, I've been sitting on the 4x5s, the 57 mm. and the 59, and man, I've been having great luck on that, and right now I have two, uh, uh, color and black and white, in my fridge right now, that I'm just dying to shoot, but I'm trying to figure out on what. I'm very one of those photographers that I, I just don't want to shoot it because a lot of people just like once the film's there it's like oh we're gonna shoot it and they just shoot it and and i just don't like that because i'm not that type of person that just wants to shoot just for the hell of it you know if it's something special and i want to know the characters of that film i'm gonna choose a person to shoot it. it's gonna be worth it you know there's gonna mm-hmm. it's that's the kind of uh work that i like that well, what film did you use? Well, you know, JCH came out, so I used it on this person. I wanted to see the tone of it, their, you know, their their complexion, uh, tonal range in the black and white, and you know, is it all the way from the grayscale spectrum, uh, like just like Silvermax? That's a great film. Yeah. Silvermax is such a great film, you know, and and the, the way when you process it with that, uh, uh, it's like Rodonal, but more for the Silvermax. It really stretches out that spectrum, and you get the full tonal range of it, and it's just amazing, amazing. It's a little, yeah, it's a little pricey, but you know what? It's worth it. Honestly, it's really worth it. Okay, so man, that's a that's a that's a, that's a lot for an introduction. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that's that, that's okay. Um, I apologize for geeking out like that. No, man. I mean, I get it. I get it. That's uh. When you get a chance to talk about film, you just want to talk about film. That's how it is. Yeah, um, yeah, just love film. But you've mentioned like 
a bunch of things I want to go back and, and touch on. Um, yeah, yeah. So before we start the call, let's just start here. You're a Nikon guy. Okay. You like to shoot. You, you talked about you got F, F100s, um, F4. Are you mainly an uh, autofocus guy or do you like the older manual focus? Cameras? No. Okay. I, this is what I have. I have all almost all the F family, including F100. The only one that I'm missing in that family is the F6. Yeah. So, and I, I definitely wanted the whole F family. I, and I, I said I'll never get it because it's just so damn expensive. When I found out that I was able to get, you know, all of them except for that F6, I got them all. But primarily, I'm more of a real old stuff, like lever type, advanced. I'm, I'm, I love the autofocus, but I'm just not into, like, Hey, that's all I'm going to use. No, my my camera that I'm constantly using all the time is an F3 and a Nikromat, uh, okay. the FTN2, and I have a Nikromat EL. So that's the primary cameras that I use constantly is those cameras. And sometimes, well, I have a bunch of cameras, dude. I have. Uh, <laughs> we all do. <laughs> we all do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but. I was gonna. I was actually gonna send you a picture of the cabinet that I have because my my wife said we have a a, a pretty much a vintage uh, ca- like a display case. It's very it's you know wood and doors are see through with glass. Very vintage. And I said, hey, you know, I have a couple cameras. You know, is it all right? I can put some in a in the case. And she goes, you can only have this and this roll. Only two rolls. I practically took the whole side of that. <laughs> and she goes. And she she pretty much took a picture of the whole thing. She goes, I better not see a, another camera in here that I don't know. Because if you do, I'm locking this up, and you're not going to get none of the cameras out. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. She do. She threatened yeah, me yeah. to sell them all and all that. And I go, I ain't buying no more. But, of course, I have some of them in my sock drawer and then in my chorney drawer. I have, like, maybe four or five hidden in there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I've been hiding them. I've been hiding that uh, that uh, that eight by ten as well. And she recently found out about it. She goes, "Oh, because she asked me, what did you buy for five hundred bucks from Japan?" And I go, uh, "Yeah, I didn't buy anything." She goes, "Don't lie. I see, I saw it on your on your on your uh, statement." And I go, "Damn!" Why she? She goes, "Show me what you bought." And I showed her the lens. I bought that Nikkor 300. She goes, oh, okay. So what is this thing attached to? And that's what led to her finding uh-huh. out about the 8x10. Uh-huh. So I couldn't lie that to her. And she goes, you know, you keep doing this to me all the time. You know, you're going to end up with no cameras. How about that? And I go, I promise I'm not going to get any more. So, but, but what you got to do, but, you got to tell her, like, you go one in, one out. One in, one out. I, I, bought, <laughs> I bought this one, but I sold another one. Yeah. <laughs> You I did. I, I I honestly did try that, uh, but <laughs> yeah, I know she still has that inventory that she took last time. She goes, "No, don't lie, it's still here." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My wife's the same. Okay, so, I have cameras strewn all through the house, and when I mean all through the house, I mean there's not a room, there's not a camera in, there's not yeah, a surface. Right. Like I'm terrible about it. I'm I'm so bad. I'll shoot a camera yeah. and I'll set it down, and I'm like, that looks good there. I'll leave it there. And it's like, there's three on the coffee table. What are you doing? 
<laughs> yep. There's one on the there's one on the kitchen table right now. There's one on like the there there's one on our um um uh, counter in the kitchen. I've got one on my nightstand. I've got one on my wife's nightstand. <laughs> They're like, everywhere. Like literally, I'm so bad about it. My desk is just my desk is riddled with just junk and cameras and camera parts and you name it, it's there. Because I, I'm, you know, by nature I'm a mechanic, I am mm-hmm. an industrial mechanic, so I'm gonna fix something. I don't care how small, big, I fix. So I have tools on my desk. And I have my computer, my scanners, my printer. Bunch of cameras. Uh, my oh, I just found my digital camera. Cool. Um, <laughs> there I almost goes. witnessed an accident. Yeah, the oh, RB six. I? I have an RB six seven that's in the in the kitchen table, and it's just sitting there. And I and I keep shooting my daughter because I have a pack film in there that's expired from nineteen eighty six, and it works. And I shot like maybe three three sheets of that already and I still have some more that still works because I wanted to know if it, it was still working and sure enough it's it's more cyan in color but it works mm-hmm. you know and I like that that's what I like yeah so and my wife was like dude when are you going to put this thing away and I go I'll, I'll put it away someday when it's done and yeah but I haven't been yeah. done and then she found another one she goes what's this camera doing here oh I've been looking for that I go uh, so I'm always finding cameras like that around, you know, around the house. So, but she's already sick and tired of me having a lot of stuff around, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, but oh, when I, I'm I'm a person that likes lever lever advance a lot more. Yeah. But mainly, I, I've been really I don't know. It's just this this uh, thing about uh, old size cameras. Oh, okay. So I, I I've been collecting like uh, the size uh, icon cameras. And I uh, just picked up uh, an Icoflex 1A, which is a 6x6 uh, medium format camera. Mm. And I have a size icon, um, is a Contessa, which is a 35mm uh, rangefinder, the older. And uh, what else? Uh, uh, the Iconta, the Super Iconta, I have two of those. Um, what else I have? Um, the uh, contacts, uh, a three uh, A, with the meter on top. I just picked that up not so long ago. Um, then I just might pick up another Super Iconta as well for mm. a couple hundred bucks in mint condition. I can probably turn around and sell this for. I'm gonna get in uh, trouble. You're gonna get in trouble. Three. Yeah, but yeah. You gonna tell her? You tell your wife I'm on a podcast, and then she's gonna say, "Oh, okay, what podcast were you on?" And then you're gonna let it slip one day, and she's gonna listen back, and she's like, "Oh, you bought what now? You spent yeah. how much now? Uh, and what are you planning to buy? Right? Yeah, that ain't happening. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I can't say that stuff those. on the recordings, man. Yeah, yeah well, I don't. Yeah, dude, trust me, she's not gonna listen to this podcast, right? Because <laughs> I'm gonna spill the beans. <laughs> she just recently found like maybe three. Um, uh, light meters that I've been, you know, just having there just in case because you never know. One crap oh, I love out. light meters. Yeah. I'm with you there. Yeah, I love light meters. So, I have the I have the Studio Deluxe Siconic 398, the 308, and the 3558, and they just all hang out. Um, I think they're nice. on they're on my dresser right now because I just did this yeah, big see, light meter test and uh, 
yeah, they're just they're just in there chilling right now, hanging out, waiting to. Well, I have I have two uh, the 308s uh, with no no battery, and then another no the three I have two 358s and one 308, and I have another one that's from the 1970s that it works awesome, dude, and it's a Sakonic. Yeah. And it's such a vintage, you know, light meter. I use I try not to use that one a whole lot because I just love it dude, the way it looks, and it's so vintage. And it works, you know, beautifully. So I kind of like put it away because I don't want nothing to happen, like break it or, or scratch it or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so I've been using the Minolta uh, Five. Okay. Light meter. I've got a Minolta is... Flashmate that I haven't used. Um, I think I'm gonna let Brandon borrow it. I'm gonna. I'm going to. We're gonna go hang out tomorrow and go um, check out a location. When we were hanging out last oh, time, right he was talking about wanting. Um, to try like messing around with flash so i'm gonna I think i'm gonna let him I've, I've never i know it works i put a battery in it and like i got it to to you know read and give me readings and stuff but i haven't actually messed with it enough to figure out how to get that damn thing working but i have that one i, I always forget about it it just it's sitting on a shelf well i mean before you, you shoot a roll on it i mean i i would suggest try it with your with your fuji you know well, yeah, and, yeah, I could, I could, but I'm like I said, I'm just gonna let, I'm gonna let him borrow it and let him see if he wants to figure it out. No, right on, yeah. right on. Because yeah. those, uh, those old Minolta light meters are, you know, they're tanks. Yeah, they'll, they'll work they're forever. really good. And I got lucky; that thing was brand new when I got it from, for like forty bucks. Yeah, I think I got that one at an antique store that was moving, so they had a lot of their stuff uh, marked down. And I got it for I think like six or seven dollars. It's the Flashmate two. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. I still have to get into light meters. Oh, you got You know what? Sometimes, sometimes you you really need because you're not gonna know all the exposures, dude. You know, and not all the time you're sitting outside watching the, you know, exposing every minute so you can learn every minute exposure. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah, whatever you know knowledgeably. It, it, it helps, but sometimes you're like, damn, you know what? I just don't know. So let me break out with my meter. Honestly, you know? I think um, the Studio Deluxe is a killer, killer starting light. Like, if you just want a light meter, go for that little Studio Deluxe because uh-huh. they can be had for $20, and they're so accurate. Um, oh, wow. Okay. They're, they're so fantastic. Um, and like I said, $20 for a little... I think it's the 398. Hold on. I'll grab my box. I'm going to check and see. Is this a Sakonic you're talking about? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, I, I just grabbed my box. It's the Sakonic L398. 398. Okay. The 398 Studio Deluxe. Um, I got mine for, I think, $15, $20. Um, it came with the reflective meter. Um or like the reflective disc that you put over the top. You you take the incident off. You put this little reflective on there. Um, it okay. came with a high pass right. filter, all kinds of stuff. And it was so cheap and it's so amazing. That's what I used with my Hasselblad for the longest time. Um, nice, nice. Is that the one that has like all the dials and everything. That's not really digital. It's just it's not a digital. More analog. Yeah, yeah it's, it, not it, it's not digital at all. You, what mm. you do is you push this little button in the center of it and it releases a needle. 
and then nice. when you let go of the button, it clamps the needle down where the light was reading, and then you just move the dial to match that little spot. It's super easy to use. Um, it's so accurate. I love that meter. It's it's so fantastic. Uh, it's always it's no, my backup. It's always with me. Um, I'll, but I I'll just tell you which that. one is I have. If you want one, I have. Where is it? Uh, oh, it's an L four. It's a Sakonic um, L four twenty eight is what I have from okay. nineteen seventy because I researched it and I wanted to know what year and it was a nineteen seventy two seventy three model. Very cool. And I'm trying to remember what the hell did I have. This one, I have two of the. Oops, that one rubbed off. That's maybe that's why I got two. That's the only thing I hate about the Sakonics that the letters start rubbing off. Oh, okay. I have two of the L five hundred eights. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Oh, I see and... the four. Oh, those four twenty eights are cheap too. That's a cool little one. That yeah. just gives oh, you dude, the. Oh, dude, it's very, very accurate. Yeah. And I have a L three fifty eight. Okay. And of course the Minolta yeah. about five. Yeah. And they, and they all sleep, never come out till I need them. The three fifty eight is good too. Ed, if you want to get one that you can play with flash on, um, get the three oh eight, the L three oh eight. It's a. Okay. It, it, it's such a good meter it's so solid oh it's that's small. the one i have you know i ha- i had that one and i gave it to uh robert yeah so robert robert has it oh wow nice yeah man that's such a that's such a good little light meter um it is it's a really good meter yeah yeah you can do you can do reflective and um incident metering on it it's got a flash meter you can set it to read an ev which is amazing when you're shooting the hasselblad because then you can just get the EV reading, set it on the lens, and then use, you know, I don't know if you guys are familiar with how the Hasselblad lenses work, but it, it mm-hmm. kind of, like, locks into place when you set your um, your aperture with your uh, shutter speed, because it's a leaf shutter. So then you can move right. both of them together. Or Same thing can, as an RB. Um, yeah, yeah. Similar similar to, but the, to the RB. But the way the Hasselblad works is it's got an EV scale on the side. So you can just set this oh, little you okay. can just set this little line to match the EV and then that's gonna have the the two synced right there. And then you can just move mm-hmm. it back and forth if you wanna, you know, prioritize your shutter speed or your uh, nice. aperture. However. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Very nice. And I, that's what I like about the 308. I mean, the 398 mm-hmm. will show you the EV as well, but you can literally, right. you can literally set the 308 just for to read the EV, and it'll say like EV 12, EV 9, 13, whatever. No, uh, and just go. But that makes there. it easier for you. Yeah, exactly. Right on. Right on. Yeah. Hey, so so do you uh, you do home developing too? I'm assuming if you're experimenting with expired film and that kind of stuff, you probably do your own stuff at home. Who told you I don't do such things like that? Oh, okay. <laughs> of course I do. You, you name it, I do it all, dude. Oh, nice. I practically have a meth lab in here. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> well, man, you got to be careful. You're saying a lot of stuff on recordings tonight. <laughs> no, I, I do black and white. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, chrome color. Uh, a lot of alternative process. Well, some of it because... Uh, I can't really use the bathroom because, you know, my, my wife and my, and my daughter. So I can't have a lot of chemicals in the house because, you know, they're here and they use the bathroom. So I'm very yeah. limited. 
but yeah, you name it, I, I can pretty much do it. Uh, I can do Caledian, but I haven't done that like in years. Uh, I learned a lot of that stuff when I was going to CalArts. Okay. So I learned a lot of, uh, you know, like R, what I think it's R, RA4, which is hand print color. Mm-hmm. I learned how to do that there, um, how to print color. I actually have my own um, condenser head to do color and black and white. And I normally do it in my bathroom. So because it's something really quick, uh, especially like black and white prints, I can do that there. I actually made a, I made a print from the Kodachrome that I developed in black and white. But it took like three, three, four minutes to burn right through it because of oh, that wow. yellow layer that I was talking about. Yeah. But it burned right through and it came, you know, the image is, it's just awesome. I really love it. So what is your, what is your go-to developer? Are you, I know you mentioned HD 110 earlier. Is that what you mostly use? Is that? Um, I do. Uh, Tetanol is another one. Um, and uh, Askerol, you ever heard of Askerol? Uh, I don't Which think so. Which is no. a Russian. It's Silveria. You ever, you heard of Silveria Films, right? Yeah. 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 So they have their own developer, which is called Ascaro. It's almost b- similar to HC110, but I think it's more of a high uh, acidic developer mm. because uh, you just got it. You use very little of it, and it and and it really develops really quick. If you use too much of it, man, it will strip the crap out of your negatives. It's almost like you're using paint thinner on your film. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and of course, HC110 uh, and Rodinol. So mm-hmm. you, I like to try different stuff because I want to know what what it does, you know. Yeah. What we what's the difference? What look am I trying to get? Sometimes I just embrace it, whatever I get. It honestly, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just love it all and the way it out, you know, the outcome of it. So mm-hmm. nice. That's very cool. Okay. So you shoot a lot of color, uh, and you do you do your own color at home uh, as you're talking. Have you ever? done any um like film soup or anything cool like that like experimenting with your negatives i not really i mean i've been tempted but like i said i just you know some of the roles they have their own uh you know so let's say a creative process when you develop because it's expired or it has been kept in heat or whatever the case mm-hmm. is it losses and i love that I don't know what I'm gonna get out of, it. and that's so. I think maybe the the whole you know surprise, like when you're developing your film, the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. I, I get that excitement from. So it's like you know, I don't know this 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 thing. I found it underneath somewhere. I don't even know it works, and I shot this, and what if it doesn't come out? You know, but boom, 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 it comes out, but it comes out weird, and I just really like that. You know, there's a lot of stuff that I have that I haven't posted out on Instagram. I mean, I had a page before. And I just completely took it down. That was a time where I was just like not really, uh, I was just really hating on, on photography big time. I just so hated it so much. I got to that point where I just didn't want to know about it. And maybe I was going through some, uh, some you know, creative process depression or something like that. So, yeah. so I took it down and I just like really wanted to give up on it, but I just couldn't. Yeah, it, it's something inside me that wanted me to shoot no matter what and i just needed to let it out and go out and shoot and, and just keep shooting no matter what outcome you get you know or, the, or how am i feeling or whatever the case is never stop shooting yeah you know and that's why i told robert about that keep shooting dude shoot your family shoot yeah. whatever you want 
just don't stop. So don't you, stop because that's the only way you're gonna learn. Right. You shoot a lot of portraits, um, and I know Lance shoots a lot of portraits as well. Uh, how do you set yourself yeah. apart as a portrait shooter? Because you know Instagram is full of people who that's Port- what they do is they shoot portraits and they fill their feet with that. Is, is like the expired film like a creative processing or is that a uh, is it an accident? When I say accident, I don't mean like you know um, you're not intending yeah, to do this. It. Yeah, but is it like is that your way to set yourself apart, or is it just something that kind of happens? Um, I think no, I, I do set myself apart from that because the majority of the portrait photographers out there are are just very mono, you know, meaning in the sense that they it's either digital or some other some other guys are film, uh, or they're large format or they're medium format, you know. But it's either they stick to color or they stick to to uh, black and white. What right. really burns my bunghole here is, is when they shoot film and they go color black and white if you want black and white shoot it in black and white you're gonna shoot in color shoot it in color same well, thing I don't with know. The, i have certain film stocks where i think the film it, it gives it its own look like i love converting uh ektar into black and white um yeah, I, well portrait too yeah well I've not, i haven't really messed with portrait a lot but uh like the the saturated colors, I think, translate really well to cool tones in black and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's film out there with that same tonal range yeah. that you can actually well, use. The thing is, is you know, sometimes you want to shoot that for those tones, and it, it it looks different. That's the thing, though. Like black and white film looks like black and white film, but to me, like when I convert a color image, it I, I when I shoot black and white, I shoot very a very distinct style when I'm shooting black and white. Like I like that high contrast, like almost noir look when I shoot black and white. And and I totally understand where you're coming from, but maybe because I'm, you know, maybe knowing so much what characteristic of certain films that I've dealt with, maybe that's why I go to like, well, for black and white, this is what I really like. And then for color, I really like this. I never really liked the whole converting, you know, Maybe I'm just old fashioned. That's you know. Yeah, what it comes I mean, down it, to. Hey, everybody's got their preference. That's what's so great about yeah. this uh, yeah. hobby, profession, whatever it is to you know mm-hmm. whoever. Um, but I just you know sometimes I will shoot a roll of Ektar with intentions of converting the entire yeah. roll okay. into black and white. No. Um, you know, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. You know, it's something different. You know, there ne- there's no rules. In right. reality, which I really love that, that it's just no rules that people's like, well, you can't. That's why there's black and white and color. Well, yeah, but how are you going to set yourself from like all these photographers out there? Mm-hmm. You know, because you want to be that ripple in the water that's going to set you aside. You know, uh, from others to say, yeah, I didn't know that guy. He did yeah. this. He, he was he was known for this picture. You know, and that's what I'm striving for. I'm not a person that wants to make a huge wave like, oh, he's a one. No, just a little ripple. It's like, yeah, I know that guy. He did this. This is kind of work he does. And it's great. Right. That's all. You know, that's my main mission is so I get old and, you know, can't do it no more. So and that's why I try to tend to try to set myself apart like that way by using a lot of expired film, uh, developing uh unorthodoxly, you know, uh, give it a little bit more time, shake it like crazy and give it that contrast, um, you know, stuff like that. 
but I never tried that whole soup thing. I just, I, I, I don't know. I just never really appealed. I mean, I was tempted just to see, but it just never appealed to me a whole lot. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, do you you do any post, or is it pretty much how you scan it? That's how, that's how you go. You know, it's, uh, for, you know especially yeah, when you're I, shooting your your portraits and stuff. Uh, for posts, I actually, you know, I I like the way I, how it comes out. But of course, I do, you know, sometimes you get a little hairs here and there and all that. So I, I do, you know, take them off. And but I do like to leave the whole natural, you know, naturalism of the of the negative and how it rendered and all that. I really not like to modify it a whole lot, aside from just cleaning it up with you know with the dust mm-hmm. and you know fine hair and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I mean. I really don't like to really modify the coloring or, you know, right. too much of that. So, okay. And what what are you using for scanning? Are you? Uh, I actually guy, a digital scanner. I have or, a I have a flatbed. I started out yeah. with the Canon Scan 9000F from Canon. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it worked, but it was just not enough room because I, you know, a 120 size for 120, and then of course just two two slides at a time. Uh, for 35 millimeter, so I ended up picking up uh, Epson 750, and oh, nice. I just throw all like <laughs> five strips on there, boom, you know, whole pass, and let's go. You know, yeah. instead, instead of sitting two at a time, it just takes forever. So I'll, I'll use both of them. Actually, mm-hmm. Robert wanted the Cano scan, but uh-huh. I don't know. I just might keep it. Sorry, Robert, I just might keep it. <laughs> uh, I think. Yeah, I think I was talking to him. I thought he bought a scanner. He just hasn't hooked it up yet. Yeah, because yeah, because he's bugging me. He's like, dude, what's your code for the Silvermax? Uh, what do you mean, what's the code? What's your <laughs> pin number to your to your uh, credit card? <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned but earlier then, um, collodion. Do you actually do you actually mess around with wet plates? I uh, that was a, like long time ago, long wow. time ago. I haven't done it. I haven't done it here because, like I said, it's I can't do it here because of them, you know. And it's very you have to be very very precise when you do that because mm-hmm. that thing you do it wrong, it's gonna blow up in your face and it's not gonna be cool because that stuff spreads like napalm, you know. Oh. So you don't, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, I. I really suggest not to do it and do it with somebody that has more experience in doing it because it's it's pretty dangerous stuff. Very dangerous that's the, stuff. That's the uh, wet plate or the tin type kind of, right? Right, yeah. Correct. I'm not, I'm Same thing, it's either this. glass or tin. Yeah. It yeah. has ether in the process, it, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think there's a guy in Melrose. I think he, every Sunday he's at whatever the swap meet or whatever farmer's market they have on Melrose. There's a guy that does tin type there, and uh, one of my cool. buddies, my, one of my buddies, got a portrait done in tin type. I think it was how like, much did it charge? I think like seventy five bucks or something. That's not bad, dude. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's so, pretty uh, good. Yeah, but it, it's, that's interesting. It's, but the process itself is just very messy. It's very yeah. messy. So yeah, that's why I haven't dabbled too. with that. Yeah, well, <laughs> if I you mean, don't take when all you the do stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, you got to be safe. Can you, and, uh, can you get high off of that stuff? 
something. I'm just wondering. <laughs> you can get high on a lot of stuff. Look, what you man, want you're in California. There's enough to get high on. Don't try to get high on the collodion. Uh, Dude, I get high on film, man. What's up? I got right, some right here. Yeah. You need what you need. That's right. That's, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, it's. I mean, it's something that I've been thinking about since I got that eight by ten. That'd be awesome to do. Yeah, but that'd be yeah. Rad. I just can't do it right now. I mean, the mm-hmm. the most that I can go as far is uh, is alternative process, which is uh, I can't do the palladium because it's very expensive. So I do the the other one that's more cheaper. The cyanotypes. I do cyanotype uh, yeah. or salt or Van Dyke. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you can do that. Uh, or there's the other one. Uh, damn, what is it called? Why am I like spazzing out on that one? Uh, where are you? Oh, I know where it is. Um, Oops. You should do dry plates with your eight by ten. I know who was it? Um, the classic, the classic lenses podcast recently. I say recently, it's been a couple of months, but they had somebody on that does, um, that's making dry plates in their garage and selling them. You should look into getting some dry plates. From oh, them. dry dry plate presses, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was actually there's a there's a a website called uh, Bostick and Sullivan's, and they sell a lot of uh, alternative process there, and that's what I've been looking at. I mean, like platinum, palladium prints, mm. printing, and they do have. Uh, Wet plate, collidium process. They, they actually have dry plates too, so that's the cool part about it. Um, I mean, like, like on an eight by ten, can't you just put like, um, and, and I may be wrong on this, and go ahead and tell me if I'm wrong because I know nothing about this. But isn't there like positive paper that you can just slide into an eight by ten and take a photo, and it just then you just develop it, you de- yes. develop the paper, or yeah. So Harmon Harmon makes. No, Ilford makes where well, it's my Harmon, but uh, Ilford uh-huh. makes positive. Yeah, and oh, okay. there was a company called Galaxy that I wanted to get my hands, and I was too late to get on. And I heard Galaxy paper was pretty much better than than mm. uh, Ilford, but I guess they stopped making it, or I don't know what happened. And I that was the route that I wanted to do is that positive, you know, like the way you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, a lot mm. of people have been doing that uh, reversal process, too, on the, uh, like, Ethan Moses and Matt Jones. You can look up what mm-hmm. those guys are doing. They're doing um, black and white reversal on regular paper. So you can check that out, too. Well, I wanted to do more, more like, Van Dyke and uh, and add um, and add gold to it. And what it does, it, it, it turns, like, purplish, almost brownish as Van Dyke. Oh, okay. And also for cyanotype, all you had to do was use uh, tannic acid to convert it to black and white. So what you do is just you strip off the cyan, but uh, it's still the image is still there. And then you're adding the tannic acid to it, which turns it into black. That, you know, so but you first you got to strip it off. You know, well, first do the cyan, bring it out. Once it's exposed, then you go into another uh, process where it strips the cyan, and then, of course, you stop mm-hmm. it, and then you yeah. go into the tannic acid bath, and then it turns it into black and white, which is, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, that sounds cool. But who did we have on that we were talking about alternative process? Was that Jason? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should hook up with Jason uh, Konopinski. 
I think okay. you guys have a lot of stuff in common. Yeah, as it far sounds as like it for sure. Bosses and stuff. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I gotta hit him up then. Yeah, he oh, yeah. um he he's been working on salt prints and cyanotypes, and he was talking about Van Dyke yeah. also. Oh, okay. Yep. Oh, I think he was on. Uh, I was listening to that podcast that you guys were talking to, uh, not so long ago. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. he was on a few episodes ago. Yep. Yep. The, right on. The the creative explorer or spiritual something or another. It's, it's like our longest yeah. episode title. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was a fun one. Uh, he talked about a lot of stuff. There was a lot. I, I have a, I have a page of notes that I wrote down in the middle of that episode, like just from all the <laughs> stuff he was saying. Um, I had to, I had to like, like go back and I had to like normally I listen to when I'm editing. I put the episodes on um, 1.75 speed because it's hilarious and it, everybody sounds like a chipmunk. Um, but with him, I had to like slow it down because I. He's first of all, he has a different cadence than everybody else with the way he talks. So, like a lot of times, I'll chop out uh, pauses and stuff. And with him, yeah, okay. I had to be careful with that because it, it made him start sounding funny. And I had to go back and like add all the pauses back that I had chopped out or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's something that I really, really uh, was very enthusiastic about getting into. It's just some. I'm trying to find the time to do it. Uh, yeah. And, and right now, in the process of trying to find property to move into, and that would definitely open a lot of doors for me to, you know, just start processing different things. Like when you get the the, the Van Dyke, you do a gold toning process, what it is, and that's where it starts to really, you know, turn into like purplish and then more brownish, and what you know that's, and it's just such a an awesome uh, way of processing that. It's just, it gives it that very uh, old, you know, brownish type of uh, photograph. And, and it's just, it's very appealing. It's very beautiful, very nostalgic, mm-hmm. you know, and I like that yeah. very old stuff. Uh, oh, the other uh, alternative, aside from palladium and platinum, because I think uh, 35 grams is like about 300 bucks oh, to what? do that. Yeah, so it's very expensive. I mean, and palladium is 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 a a mineral that's actually inside your catalytic converter. Oh. So, uh, you know, catalytic converters are very expensive. You know, right? Just like ro- uh, another part of it is rhodium. That's also part of the catalytic converter. That's another expensive uh, uh, mineral as well. But yeah, so platinum and palladium is a very very expensive uh, mineral, but. My God, the prints that you get from that. It's just dude, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, there's a... And, um, in Flagstaff, Arizona, there is a shop. Uh, Ted Forbes went there on one of his... Um, oh, I've I seen that. Visits. Seen that. Uh, and they do platinum printing and palladium printing and stuff. Yeah. And they are yeah. so gorgeous. But you know, for all you know, for everybody out there, I'm sure they're looking for something that's a lot more cost effective. The alternative for platinum and palladium is calitype. So it's the same process as that. It's not as the what you get that in effect as a print from that is, but it's it's almost very similar and it's still very, you know, mesmerizing and it renders very well. And it's just that's the other process that I was going to get into. But of course, I definitely want to make a. A palladium print or a platinum print. All right. All 
The whole goal is that if we get property, open up a lab on my own and just have a lab for myself. So that's what I'm really aiming for. Yeah, I turned our front bathroom into like a gorilla dark room, and that's where I do all my enlarging (laughs) and all that stuff. And I've been wanting to do that too. Uh, I have a friend who's actually um, a photography professor at the University of Purdue, and that's one of the things that she does is teaches her, um, like her classes, like alternative processes, and they do um, sun prints and that kind of stuff. Yeah, because if you really think about it, there's not really a whole, whole lot out there that that comes when it when it comes to alternative bronzes. I mean, uh, if if you take an art class, and they do skim on of it, you know, off of it for a little bit, but not in very full detail. And what you can actually do, what's out there that you're able to create, you know, just not maybe with a camera, but maybe with something else. You yeah. know what I mean? So that's what they get the name alternative process. It could be just anything and just using the resources that the sun provides or maybe a different chemical process that would make a uh, an image, you know? Yeah. So there isn't a whole lot, you know, for for them to teach it. And then for these new generation that's coming in, uh, I don't think they really know about it a whole lot. And I think yeah. that's, that's very important that, you know, most of us that we know some of this stuff to really kind of like at least show it to them and talk about it and maybe possibly, you know, show a little bit how to do it or show them the easier stuff to, you know, to, to keep it alive and keep that part of the photography that's attributed to it as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think YouTube's going to play a huge part in that. Big time. Yeah. Big time. You're right about I mean, that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there are channels. Have you, have, have, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say there are channels out there now, like you know, most yeah. most of the like the big channels for I feel like the young people are gonna are like the hip people, like you know Matt Day and um, you know King Japes and whatever, and and those yeah. you know Matt's like informative review whatever, and King Japes is like the young street guy. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of the channels that are that, that don't seem to have nearly the amount of followers, but I think they have, you know, arguably better content. Is like, um, shoot film like a boss. Do you guys know his channel? Yeah. Man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, he uh, gets he gets into it, man. You know, he, I, he not, taught uh, me how to like. I watched his videos. Like, when I got all of the stuff for my darkroom, and I just started watching his videos and. From wa- spending a couple hours watching his videos, I was able to go in the dark room and get workable prints within a couple yeah. hours. Just I yeah. I was kind of getting into that. I, I'm not sure if you guys heard of uh, 35 millimeter magazine. Uh, man, there's so many. Uh, uh, maybe, possibly, I don't know. And what what 35 millimeter magazines is a he used to be a model and became a photographer. And uh, he started shooting uh, models that had uh, like a blemish or scars or and his thing was to shoot uh, models that had that. And there's no no Photoshop, no modifying, no nothing shot it how it is as a model, how she was. And that was the whole thing about it. And um, so he found out that I was like really into film and of course film was on a full swing and of course he wanted to jump on that and he asked me hey so where can we go to uh, kind of go on a live stream 
on Instagram and show them that we're doing this, you know, printing and stuff like that. And I go, well, there's a couple of dark room. There's one dark room and, uh, by downtown LA and it's pretty reasonable. I think for like three hours, you only spend like 75 bucks, which is not so bad. You know, you bring your own paper, they have everything all laid out for you. All you got to do is just print and that's pretty much it. So, um, and we're just doing that. And, you know, um, I wanted to get into like, how do you how do you dodge and burn and how do you know how do you figure out how much time to uh uh start off a base you know and start working around that that time that you you know that you come up on on a print how to make a print and how much time you need so that's what i kind of wanted to do but i think he kind of had a different route so i just didn't push it or uh suggested it um you know and definitely i didn't want to go out there and start on my own i just didn't feel very compelled to do it so um it's really not that hard honestly Um, no like i said i watched i watched roger's videos that's the guy from shoot film like a boss his name is roger uh i watched roger's videos and like i said maybe i spent a couple hours watching different ones he did he's very in-depth with walking you through how to make contact sheets and how to um make test strips and stuff like that and that'll give you a very very good starting point and i work like i know a lot of people work differently in the dark room i kind of yeah oh yeah i kind of um talking from other people i do things a little different than some of the people that i've talked to that asked me that i got questions from stuff i i Mm stop down all the way so i have like really long exposure times on my prints (laughs) but that gives me time like once I get the you know the images on the paper, um, it gives me the ability to because I'm I'm shoot I'm doing large expo or long exposures on the paper I'm able to dodge and burn longer. So if I'm doing if I'm like opening it up to f three point five and exposing my paper at that that gives you like a ten second exposure total. And that's not any time to dodge and burn anything. So when I, I'll, I'll crank it up to F32, and that'll give me a 10-minute exposure time. Well, I know yeah. at this 10 minutes, I can, it, if I see parts that are too dark or that are too bright, well, that I can. It's mainly, it's mainly, yeah, it's mainly for when you have a lot, like your background gets a little yeah. lost and washed out. It's for that's whatever. That's when you tend to F32 and kind of bring mm-hmm. out, but that's when you dodge and burn the darker parts. Exactly. And kind of bring out that highlighted stuff that gets washed out to come out a little bit more detailed yep that was a big lab rat dude i was yeah i didn't i got kicked out of the lab once well actually not once but a couple times for just being there too long and missing lunch all the time that's cool so they're like do you need to get the hell out of here man don't come back until you ate something or whatever the case is (laughs) go to the bathroom do something come back in two hours or something so they would just kick me out yeah, I'll spend. I, I used to would tell my wife like, "All right, this weekend I'm doing this," and I've been so busy lately. I don't even have my dark room set up right now, but I'll spend an entire afternoon in there, and I'll I'll no. go through. Um, you, when you I say afternoon, so I'll be in there for like 13, 14 hours, and I will walk out and I can't yeah. see right because it's, it's, all I've been it's seeing is you, red. You get so lost in your yeah. work. You get so lost in your work. You're like, dude, I just gotta have it. Yeah. And until you get that print, you're done. Exactly. You know, one print, you can literally, it takes you two days to make a perfect print that you want. Exactly. Two it, days. It, it's not a, it's not a 
a quick process all the time. No, it's not. It's, that's one of the reasons why I haven't printed so much because of that. You know, and it just my I have that thing in my bedroom sitting there with a uh, trash bag over it, so it won't get you know ruined by all the dust and all that. But uh, I've been I have all these things that I want to print out, you know, and my biggest thing was to do alternative process and make big prints, like twenty by twenty four prints. If you're gonna print, print big. None of that little, you know, four by six or or eight by ten would be very small for me. I want to make a big, big print, a minimum sixteen yeah. by twenty. I don't have the room me. to do all that. I, I mostly do eight by tens because I'm. I, you don't. I have you don't need a, a whole lot of room. Well, I, all I have is I have a small enlarge. You need room for an enlarger that'll print that large. Not okay. What well, does your enlarger swivel? Uh, no, my enlarger does oh, swivel. Okay. Uh, I, I have a cheap enlarger I bought off of Craigslist. It's just a little Bessler six seven, so I can only oh, print. Okay. I can only do up to uh, six by seven negatives, which is fine because I print mostly from my Hasselblad anyway. Um, What's the biggest you print though, like uh, paper wise? Eight by ten, like I said. Eight by okay. Yeah, because it, it it doesn't. I mean, I could probably go to sixteen by um, twenty, but I would have to um, I would change have the to, lens. Well. I have I have different lenses for it, but I would have to flip it around. I would have to like unbolt it from the stand and flip it around, and then oh, uh, expose it on the floor versus on my counter. And like I said, I've just converted my front bathroom, and I live in a very my my house is only like eleven hundred square feet total. So that bathroom is only about two foot wide by about four <laughs> foot long, and I've got an enlarger and trays and everything set up in there. So there's not a whole lot of room. Right. Yeah, that makes two of us. The trays go in the bathtub for me. Yeah, me too. It makes it easier for any spills. It just goes down the drain, and I just let a bunch of water go through it to dilute it, you know? Yep. So, but, uh, yeah, mainly that's pretty much what, I, what I've been trying to, you know, do. And hopefully it'll happen, but it's just going to take a little, little time more to eventually get there where I can, you know, do a full swing and, and just break out and start processing like crazy and, be more creative, be more involved. You know, it's just I'm very limited at this point, uh, you know, in creating and stuff like that. So, but I'm, I'm not stopping. The darkroom is just another part, part of the process. You know, I don't think it's yeah. necessarily like imperative. I think everybody should try it at least once, but I don't think that it's necessary to, you know, have to yeah. have to silver gel it and print everything. You know, yeah. no, I, no, I do. I do want to at one point, you know, take a workshop class. And just do a oh, print yeah. or two Me in the dark room. Should. I think you should, yeah. and, and you just, you will definitely just, love it. You'll yeah, love just it. to say I've done it or whatever. But you know, you know, like you, it sounds like you know. I, I don't have I don't have a ton of room at home to even try to attempt a dark room. And I know <laughs> I can just probably do a bathroom or whatever. Yeah, but you have two um, small children. Yeah, and I have kids. Yeah, yeah. see, well, I don't have. I kids. have a I have an eleven year old, but she's one of those like what. I want to make a print, Dan. Yeah. I go, uh, not right now. <laughs> Wait a little longer. You understand about safety first, all right? Not just dump, yeah, dump, yeah. dump, developer and stuff like that. He goes, oh, I like the smell of it. Let me keep sniffing it. <laughs> no. Uh, so I hide, uh, I hide that. all that stuff, you know? So my daughter, yeah. but she's like, Dad, definitely I want to try photography. Because she sees all the stuff that I do. And she goes, oh, that's a very beautiful, you know, picture. You know, how'd you do it? And what made you think about taking that picture and so she's getting very you know interested in it and yeah. i told her one day i told her hey so 
you know, one day daddy's going to be really old. And, you know, and of course I might die one day. So you go, and I told her, what are you going to do with all this camera? And, you know, dad's cameras. And well, I told her when she was young and she just boldly said, you know, dad, I'm just going to throw them away. <laughs> oh. Oh, no. And I go, and I go, great. You know, that's your inheritance right there. You can, you can leave yeah, them to I've, me. I've you can leave them to kids. me. Yeah. I'll make yeah, sure that they go to use. <laughs> I let my kids know which ones were the special ones and which ones the ones they can just give. You know, they can do. Oh, my, with my wife! My wife was, was very aware of the real expensive ones and the ones she could get good money off of. So, yeah, I think my I was wife. Like, Damn. I think my wife would know like which ones are are serious. Like, I think she would know which ones were worth keeping and which ones are worth giving away. Because yeah. there are some that stay yeah. on the shelf forever. And then there are some oh, that go out yeah. with yeah. us every single time we leave the house. Because I don't leave the house without a camera. And she's but stolen I'm... the one that I've had since I was 12. So she obviously knows oh, that wow. that one doesn't get, you know, yeah. taken off or yeah. whatever. But, you know, the cool part is that I'm always constantly rotating my stuff. I I shoot it, drop it, pick up on one of the other ones. Even the AF ones I use. I just constantly rotating. Today, if you noticed on my page, if you look at every picture, all different cameras, not the same camera. Yeah, I did notice that. That's something that was the thing I had written down on my pages or on my notes is that each picture is a different camera and a different film stock. Yeah. Um, I, I constantly, even uh, I'll break out with like the old size icon and I'll shoot a person like that. And they're like, you're going to take a picture off of that? Go, oh, trust me. This little camera is, it was great in this time. The pictures are going to be beautiful. It's great in this time. And they're like, and they're like, cool, let's do it. So I shoot them. I shoot a couple rolls off of that. And then I pick up another camera and shoot them with that. And, you know, different lenses. And they just, they like that. You know, I, uh, shooting people and getting their reaction is just really cool, you know. And, you know, getting to break that ice of like, oh, what is that? You know, where's what time is that from? You know, especially when they see a TLR, they're like, ooh, that's, is that a movie camera? Like, no, it's a film camera, mm-hmm. you know. So it's just... It's such a hot topic to talk about when you're on the streets and taking pictures, you know. Yeah, that's Stuff something like we've that. talked about. Uh, I have a my Yashika mat when I take it out. Like people, it's always a talking point. Everybody always wants to chat about it. So, like that's a camera that I can't take out when I'm feeling introverted. Uh, it's just, uh, <laughs> it's just not. Cool. It's not a good one for that situation because I know mm-hmm. somebody's gonna come up and talk to me about it. But the funny thing is, is like I always hear, "Hey, is that a Hasselblad? Hey, is that a Hasselblad?" It never <laughs> happens when I yeah. actually have it on me, though. Like when I'm out shooting with yeah. my Hasselblad, I never hear that. But if I've got my uh, my TLR with me, or if I'm just out shooting like my Minolta, it's like, "Is that a Hasselblad?" No, it says Minolta across the top of it. What do you mean? <laughs> Uh, do you get a lot of guys like, hey, have you ever, you know, you don't, you don't try shooting on Leicas? Uh, I, I don't shoot on Leica. Like, no, I don't. I, I have a, I, I, sh- I shoot a Voigtlander R2A. So I think people, okay. people see it and they think it's a, you know, they're like, it's just a whatever. I think they probably right. think it's like a digital point and shoot. You know, I, I'm very, I don't know. I, I just, I get really kind of like taken back from when they're like oh you know you should shoot on the Leica it's better glass and this and that I go wow okay I mean, so what about all the, the so glass. that means all these cam- all these cameras that have been out in the world they're all piece of shits huh yeah, so no, we're all to shoot like to that, but I also do see the you know the value in those 
Leica lenses and stuff. They are, yeah, of course. They are, they are be- excellent and beautiful, but I don't yeah. think that they are necessarily like the end all be all, and that's like where exactly. it is. Exactly. I think. Yeah. I think you know, that's that's a big beef that I have because of that. Because people now that have a Leica around their neck, apparently they're better photographers. Yeah, I so, mean, you know, uh, Robert Kappa is a good photographer, and so I guess he is. Uh, his girlfriend? Yeah, so that was his died girlfriend. died in the war, and then, of course, his, uh, his buddy as well died in the war. Right. And, and uh, then, uh, what's his name? Cartier Bresson. But the thing is, like, he wasn't shooting a normal Leica, though. Like, he had his stuff custom made special for him by Leica, too. Yeah. Like, yeah, of course, exactly. his stuff was amazing. It was exactly what he wanted. And it worked for him. What? Elliot Erwitt, my favorite photographer is Elliot Erwitt. He shoots really? Kodak Tri-X on, in his, his Leica. Um, I don't want to emulate him, but he's my favorite. And I, you know, I, I would love to have a Leica, but I don't have Leica money. Um, and I also have a Voigtlander that can do anything a Leica does because it's an M mount. I I got Leica money. I just never bought one. You can buy me and... one then. <laughs> yeah, you can buy but... me one. Yeah, the two bozos I I uh, I have the other podcast with the ultra low. <laughs> <laughs> those guys uh, no i love them i love them to death i, will, I won't call guys. them names um but they're constantly on a it's always about like a like a like and i'm just like please can we just can we just get onto the yeah i'm just waiting for the uh for the actual show to start but you know but they, you know what you I'm, know? I'm actually gonna buy one i'm gonna buy one and I'm just gonna let it rot to death in the in the cabinet. Oh, don't do that. I definitely will because I want I want the people to say, well, you know, you don't have a like like we do. Like actually, I do it, but it's rotting away in the cabinet just to show that I can I have one. Put it in the microwave. I can afford it. They're shooting you know, the Sparnak, so aren't they? Uh, yeah, they're yeah, they're, yeah. They're not shooting like uh, M6s or like that. And and uh, you know, I, I just. You know, I but think see, at some point I'll get like a Canon P or even a, I've always been eyeballing the Bessa just because I like it. And then I held Michael's Bessa and I was just like, yeah, yeah. And it's a great camera. Yeah, just that, a, that Canon just, P is nice. That, yeah, that Canon so, P is really nice. So, so let me just say that they talk more about the LTMs, uh, okay. rangefinders, the Canon right. P's and the right. and some of the older like the three C like this or whatever. But um but their their choices is the Bessa or the Canon P, which so no, no, I started, nobody talks about. I started looking like, at them. So nobody talks about like a Nikon SP or a Nikon. Uh, uh, what is the other one? S or. Yeah, but you might as well just get a Contax if you're going to do that, because that's those, true. Those, have those things that, are so those they're Nikon's much are so expensive. They are the same. They're they're uh, they are literally yeah. just clones of the Contaxes. I mean, right. and the, yeah. the thing is, is they're more expensive than the Contaxes are now, just because there were less of them, so they have that rarity factor. Right. But, that but, one camera that I definitely was really, I really liked the way it handled. And I had one, uh, a friend of mine, let me borrow it. He had a size icon rangefinder. And he had an M, M lens on it, uh, 50 mil F2, a Sumicron on it. And he let me borrow it, and I shot a couple rolls off of that. And I was like, man, how much did you get this body for? He goes, 400 bucks. Yeah. And, and it takes M lenses, right? And he goes, yeah, you can put you can put Voilander lenses, uh, M lenses, or some of the Nikkor uh, lenses as well. And I think it might take some Canon, like um, like the P lenses, 
And I yeah, go, you have to put an English. adapter on it, but yeah, it does. Okay. Uh, it's the same body as my R2, my R2A. It's the exact same camera. The same only thing? Difference, oh, dude, that's Yeah, that's it's, cool. the sa it's the same camera. They're both made by Cosina, and so is the, okay. um, the Roly um, RF, the Roly 35RF. They're all three the okay. same camera, essentially. The big, di the main difference is the um, the rangefinder, the, um, what is it? God, terminology's escaped the on parallax? me. Yeah, well, not the parallax on it, but the um, the actual rangefinder uh, lens or whatever is farther. The offset on it is farther on the okay. um, the the icon, so it's a little bit more accurate uh, as far as focusing and stuff. So you can focus more accurately, like at, at higher apertures and whatnot, mm -hmm. than you can on the Rollies or in the um, the Voigtlanders. But it's essentially okay. the same. They're essentially the same camera, though. And yeah, I, I got I, I got my okay. Voigtlander, uh, I think for about five hundred bucks, uh, and it's nice. got aperture priority, uh, two thousandth of a shutter speed. Uh, nice. and it's got exposure lock on it. It doesn't load ridiculously like the Leicas do. Uh, it's got a normal loading mechanism. Uh, the viewfinder like glows in the dark. It's so bright. It's amazing. Uh, the rangefinder nice. patch in it. It's a like I I love that camera. It's it's fantastic and, um, but it also but, I mean, doesn't feel as heavy duty as those Leicas do. You know, and there's yeah. something to that. They feel great in the hand. And like I said, I would love to have one one day. But I also know that it's not gonna do anything that I can't already do with the cameras that yeah. I have either. Um, right. Well, I did have a Leica before, and it was the R6. Okay. And that was the, the SLR one. Oh, yeah. the SLR version. Yeah. So, and, but it was a Leica, right? Yeah. Well, they can't tell me it was no damn Leica. It was a <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I do own a Leica. I own that Instax Leica, so I am a Leica guy. <laughs> hey, yeah. wait a minute. Is that the, that square one? Come on. That ain't no Leica, man. Yeah. That's that a is. Fuji brand that has a Leica that's on a, it. That's exactly what it is. It's, it's an Instax a... Leica. It has it's the red like button. It. it has a little red circle. Hey, it's on it, right? So it's true <laughs> like a, There you go. If it's on it, it it's got to be it. That's right. You're in the club, brother. They got you. Yeah, I am. I am. Yeah. You yeah. should see how you should see their faces when I roll up and say, "What's up, boys?" <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Read them and weep yep. them. There you go. It's cool. Uh, but yeah, <sighs> yeah. I'm I definitely gonna party you pick one up like that that'd be cool just to have it just i had an it, yeah. m4 that i was watching on ebay um it was i think it was an m4p with a 35 millimeter sumacron um like what 1500 bucks yeah it was about 1500 dollars um, that's actually a pretty good price yeah and i, I, really I, let, it, I let it go because i was like i don't really i had the money but i was like i don't really have the money for this right now um, and now they're like three thousand dollars for the same setup. Oh yeah. You know I I have the money, but I have to get it approved. <laughs> that means I gotta yeah. talk to my wife to see. Say yeah, honey, here here's two grand. Go blow it away on a camera. So she's the one that manages everything. So I have to like hey, uh, trying to submit this application and see if I can get it approved. She goes, how much you want? <laughs> And yeah, I get shot down all the time, dude. <laughs> yeah. But hey, keep them checks coming in for work. I'm cool with that. I just see go. that, and I'm, I'm just like, that's like so many months of rent that I, you know, like, what am I doing? Yeah. Right. 
I mean, that's yeah. the same way I feel with some of the uh, the Fuji Digitals that I have. Some of my X series cameras yeah. is that I got I got so much money wrapped up in in that where I'm thinking I, I don't I don't need them all because I only can shoot one at a time. Like Correct. physically one at a time. I mean, I could carry two or three, but you know. Well, you know, these cameras that I have are cameras that I always wanted when I was young and I was not able to get at all because they were very, very expensive back then. Yeah. And now that I'm able to afford them at such a real affordable price, I'm going to get them because I always wanted them. You know, I right. always wanted a Canon EOS 1N. I had it. I traded in for a Contax N1 and I did. So yeah. now I have that. Uh, I wanted all the Nikon ones and I you know, practically got them all except for the F6. So, you know, and then, of course, the large format and medium format cameras. Yeah. Uh, my medium format choice is a uh, Mamiya C3. Mm. And it has a prism, on, prism finder on it. So, and I shoot a lot on that, that camera. But the ones that I really love using is that uh, Pentacon 6. And there's another one that's called a Practica. Uh, Practica 6 is practically the same. Same company, but you know, yeah. it's made by Practica. So, and I have two of those, and I use those a lot. You know, until this one of them just uh, the separation on the on the negative. One of them is overlapping, and the other one's too separated. So I got to send them in to get them, you know, adjusted, so I can start using those as well. I'm a very more six by six person. Yeah, I don't really shoot a lot of six by seven a lot or anything bigger than mm -hmm. that. But I'm more of a six by six and. I have six, four, five as well. So I'm the same way. You know, I'm I, a, I, I like square format. I like to shoot a lot of that. Okay, guys. I'm a half ring kind of guy. Yeah, but, I know uh, you are. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know. Um, so it's starting to get late, and before we get too far down this um, gear hole, because that can take us forever. <clears throat> Um, yeah, I think it's about time we start wrapping it up. It's um, yeah, no. like I said, it's I wish there was more time. I mean, I have a lot to say about yeah. a lot of things, but you know, hopefully, I get invited again. You know, yeah, like we said, we'll get you, and... we'll get you back with Lainez one day. We'll have uh, um, we'll have a, a, a fun, just like hanging out, talking crap episode, and we'll, we'll get you back on with Lainez. <laughs> and uh, we know you guys can we'll, we'll, we'll get around joking around, mm -hmm. and that'll be a fun one. Yeah, right. speaking of Lainez, do you have any last words you want to, or a message you'd like to send? Are you talking about yeah. me or him? No, Jose. <laughs> oh, me? Yeah, yeah. If you, I mean, if you got something that you want to, you want to tell Robert through through the uh, through this episode, <laughs> go ahead. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, nah, I'd rather not piss him off. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I'll, I'll just, just I'll just encourage I'll, him. Keep shooting. <laughs> Find more models to shoot. <laughs> So, and, all right. and don't let me hold your hand all the time when you want to go shoot. <laughs> oh, mic drop. <laughs> there we go. That's what I was looking for. Oh, damn. <laughs> nah. he, you know he's going to call me, you asshole. <laughs> nah, it's okay. It's all right. Uh, it's no, I'm just, I'm just teasing him. I usually tease him a lot. He goes, he just always answers, there it is, and he just... He goes, all right, bye, and then I call him back, and I go, all right, you can come pick it up, you know, because he usually wants to borrow something. I go, yeah, no problem. So, or he wants me to develop certain roles, or if I, oh, last time he was really on me because he goes, dude, did you shoot all the street candy? Because he bought me some street candy for my birthday, 
Mm-hmm. And at that time, it was really affordable, so you bought it. And now it's like really expensive. Oh, is it? And he goes, "Yeah, it's like twelve bucks a roll." Oh yeah, I'm gonna sell it all. Oh, wow. I've got like ten rolls in my freezer. Right, same here. <laughs> uh, and you know, I, I kind of like lied to him because I didn't want to like let it go. And he goes, "Yeah, I'm down to like maybe two. He goes, "Well, let me have one." <laughs> <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and now, and now so he like, knows he's gonna listen to this, and he's gonna know. <laughs> Now, I, now I, I shot them all. Sorry, I shot them all. I don't have any more. So, <laughs> no, but, you know, stuff like that. He'll ask me, like, special rolls. He knows that what I have. You know, yeah. you, you think you think that 100 rolls that he has in his fridge are pretty much a corner of what I have. So mm-hmm. I have a lot more than that. So, um, but you name it, you know, I have it all. And he usually, oh, I want to try that. Well, here's two rolls. Or he'll ask me, I don't have any this and that. Well, I got some, and he'll replace it. He's usually buying stuff, and he usually yeah. comes in and he gives me film. So, my fridge is always open to him, no matter what. I'm not gonna be like, oh no, that's my stuff. You know, I don't care if he's gonna shoot something and he's being creative about it. That makes me very like, like looking forward to what he did. You know, but and how would you I'm know? Per- he doesn't share anything. How would you know if he's being creative? Okay, see, now that's the problem that I taught him because I miss, that's the same thing that I do and I get a lot of backlash from, from my, my, you know, I ever have very little photographer fans and I get a lot of backlash from them because you're, you're a dick. Do you shoot all this stuff and you don't share? And I know for a fact, if I go to your computer, there's tons and tons of stuff and very little I've been leaking it through Instagram since I, I reopened it again and a lot of people are starting to like, oh, that's what I wanted to see is for you to release it. Well, back then, we didn't really show our work. So how do you know what you were creating? And the yeah. only way was to go to a show. And they're starting to do that a lot more which within the community. Not the community that you hear now, but the mm-hmm. underground community of photographers. They're in the city. They have actual shows, and they, you can participate in them and show some of the stuff that you have. So I'm getting more involved, more, you know, more interested in that, like yeah. showing my stuff out there underground, you know, mm-hmm. kind of say in the film community. So, yeah. you know, that's how you kind of get known a little bit. So, but yeah, he knows the kind of stuff. And I know that he, he's uh, also limited. He has certain time because, you know, he spends a lot of time with his, with his boy and of course his wife and his wife sometimes kind of limits him too, you know. And uh, he has some challenges, you know, uh, when it comes to trying to find talent and, you know, create a body of work. So, but I encourage him all the time because he's always like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm shooting two, three girls. He goes, man, thanks for the invite. I go, what do you mean? Thanks for the invite. I'm not looking for an assistant. (laughs) I think it's man. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm just—I'm always pulling this chain. I'm always making them, you know, like <laughs> maybe that's why you don't call me anymore. No. <laughs> well, but, you, did, you know, you, know he, you were his highlight on when he was on. So uh, yeah, he that, told that, me, and I and I go, yeah. why? Why would you pick me? We're being so. He goes because of you. I, I I was so turned on, and just the way you 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 talk to people, and yeah. especially the girls, you don't talk to them like if they're just a girl. You want to know mm. them, and in, in, in reality, you do, because that's mm. what's going to dictate of what you want to tell, what type of person, what's the that itch, you know, what's that, what makes her her, 
you know, right. and that's how you get to know by knowing them exactly who they are and knowing, you know, so they can open up and feel more comfortable and not be so frozen and, mm. you know, and stiff. You want them okay. to be animated, to be in life and be who they are. And, and they, one other thing is for me, just getting to know them like a, a real person and knowing what they like and things. And, and I take them out. Robert does, you know, gone with me. We shot one girl and then we're like, hey. You know, I'm kind of hungry. Are you down for, like, you know, we're going to go eat some of the spot, great tacos. We go eat tacos. And that's how we get to know the person. And when we shoot again, they're like, yeah, I remember. These guys are cool. They're not creeps. And right. uh, this whole thing that's going that's on right now in the film. Yeah, exactly. Because what's going on right now with this whole thing with this, you know, this uh, uh, the photographer that they're accusing him as, as a, you know, pedophile or whatever the case is. You know, it makes it very, very challenging, especially us who shoot portrait and we use people, yeah. for them to have um, trust in us. Then yeah. I'm not some, some creep that wants to take their picture of their bodies and just utilize for that as a cheap throw. Well, yeah, there's no way I'm going to waste all this, yeah, all this money, all this time and effort, all this knowledge, just so I can see your body. Right. I mean, mm. I'd rather just go straight to triple X sites and just watch all, all that. <laughs> well, just see, the problem, up, you know, <laughs> Not seriously, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. So I've been, I've got a photo shoot that I've been working on, uh, or planning out that's like kind of like creepy Halloween, like spooky themed, I guess it doesn't give it really a lot of justice, like that bullshit description. But like, I started going to YouTube and like looking up like, um, how to like how to do like creepy photography, you know, quote unquote or whatever. And like I typed that into YouTube it's not and hard, like actually. that was a, yeah, no, I know. Like I just wanted like inspiration to like see what other people were doing or whatever. Right. Um and there's so many videos of like models or girls like just creepy photographer, creepy there's so many of them. And yeah. You've got to be careful yeah. or you're going to be branded yeah. that creepy guy. And and What is what is that 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 photographer that just got caught, what's his name? And he was he was know. an artist artisan from Sony and damn, I forgot his name. I think his last name is Lainez. I was gonna tell you, dude, are you related uh, to that okay. guy? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was Robert. Maybe it was the oh, damn, himself. <laughs> I might hit him up on that and go, Hey <laughs> no, see, no, no wonder no. you get no We don't wanna no. we don't wanna spread those rumors that, that mm, no, we no. don't want I just like to pull on his chain a lot. Yeah. So but, All right, so uh, we were talking about yeah. getting like wanting to help people out. So what I think that's kind of like a natural transition into our Instagram highlights. Um, did you have somebody in mind that you wanted to kind of give a shout out to tonight? I don't have. I do. I have so many that inspire me. Honestly, every photographer that's out there hustling, trying to make a name for themselves. And just shooting film and digital at the same time, or either way, it doesn't matter. And they're out there and creating are an inspiration to me. I'm being honest on that. There's no That's one fair. in particular. But, you know, of course, what really hits me really, really strong as a photographer that I, I just barely met, I actually sold him some film, and this was a while back. His name, he goes under P-U-R-O film. So P-U-R-O means in Spanish, puro. Pure is what it means. Pure in Spanish. Film. But it's puro film. And he's a person that shoots a lot of black and white. And 
uh, got into uh, shooting a lot of film, and he's another person that would reach out and ask for like lenses, what kind of lens, focal length, uh, film, you know, anything about film and processing. And the stuff that he's been coming out is a lot of street photography. He's been doing a, a whole lot of that. And he's been like really d trying to dive into portrait. And that's where he reaches out. It's like, hey, you know, you ever get a model? I really want to try the, the whole portrait thing. And I go, you, you got the best model, your wife. She your wife. Doesn't burn a couple of roses. That's how you're going to know. And then, of course, you know, I'll help you. I'll, I'll put my opinions in what, what you got to look for. And, and that's how you, you take off. You find your own, your own, uh, you know, your 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 angles. You find your own way of uh, shooting uh, a portrait. And uh, he just really, really, from where when I met him to now, it's just his pictures say a, a lot of things. And and I keep teasing him like, make a book, dude. Make a zine. Make something. All those images belong in a book. You gotta make something like that. And. He keeps he keeps uh, shooting a lot of great stuff, so that mm. he would be one of my my highlights. He right. would be one yeah, of my. I, highlights. I looked okay. up his I looked up his page. I, I I like the stuff he's doing. He's got some really cool stuff. Some stuff kind of reminds me of um, of Ed. Like there's a lot of um, palm trees and power lines. And he shoots his family. Yeah. It's uh his so his uh, Instagram is p u r o underscore f i l. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, 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 he does nice work. I, I like it. Yeah, for sure. I think. Um, I think people. I'll check will, it out once I get home. You should. Yeah. It, like I said, some of it kind of reminds me of like your black and white stuff with a lot of palm trees and um okay. and power lines and palm trees and power lines mixed together. Right on. So Ed, who are you? Um, who are you going to shout out tonight? Um, I'm going to shout out to to two late great legends. Uh, yeah, Robert Frank, and um, yeah, good old Peter Robert Lindbergh. man. Oh uh, yeah, but there was one other man. I just had it in my head. I always forget his name too. The um, one that the shot the, the Vancouver or whatever. Yeah, the the Vancouver uh, Fred Herzog. Yeah. Oh, Fred Herzog. Yeah, yeah. they both uh, passed away, and then uh, the other photographer, which I wasn't, I don't remember ever seeing much of his work, but I'm sure he's awesome too. Um, so, um, yeah, those, I'm not just going to highlight those just to kind of give them a little, uh, little, uh, RIP, RIP from, uh, from the My biggest, stuff. biggest great photographer for me is Diane Arbus. Oh yeah. Because she shot many more on TLR all the time on six by six. Yeah. And I, I'm sure you guys know Frank Oakenfels, right? Oh yeah. Oh dude, yeah. that guy's awesome. That's where I really, learned a lot of uh, uh portraits but actually i did learn from this uh, photographer his name was jay spence he graduated from cal arts he had his own studio out in west la and he actually wanted to take me under his wing and take over the headshot department because he he had a wedding department that was on full swing and dude this guy was making money yeah. and he goes i definitely want you to come in and start and he was teaching me his way of shooting theatrical shots and uh, headshots and uh working out of a studio and this is back in the 90s like late 90s and uh i just wanted to throw this uh story out there real quick and uh he said he was going to go on a trip so he was going to go to mammoth and when he came back we were going to talk in details 
with his partner, just, you know, get it going and get the ball rolling. So at that time, I had an F4, and he goes, you can use my F5s because they just came out, and he had two of them. And if you want, you can use your F4 too. So I was like, cool. And I was very, very happy because that was a, that's a, 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 a chance, an opportunity that I don't think a lot of people get, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, so three, four months passed, and I never heard from him. And I go, man, this, I guess I was too good to be true, you know, but I was just very curious about it. So I went to the studio and, uh, and that was looking for him and it was closed. And, uh, the wedding department was upstairs and I was going to go up and I saw his partner and I go, Hey, uh, I'm looking for Jay. And he goes, Oh, I know you. You're Jose, right? And he goes, yeah. And I go, so you don't know what happened? I go, what do you mean? What happened? He goes, Jay Spence passed away. He was on a head-on collision coming back from Mammoth. So, and he told me about what was going to happen, that plan. And then he goes, I'm sorry, but he left a lot of loose ends and I just can't, I can't do it. So that opportunity was, it was gone mm. for me, mm. you know. So oh, not, you know, but that could have been it for me. But, you know, it, it didn't stop me from just keep doing what I'm doing, right. you know, shooting. Right. You know, I may not be a famous person. I may not be a greatest well, you're photographer. After, yeah, you're famous after this video, buddy. <laughs> after this podcast. But, yeah. you know, I, I, ho- I hope I, I inspire people to keep going, to never stop, try different things, never be, you know, don't settle for less, right. and just keep going, you know. And, yeah. and, and you know, adventure and film and... There's a lot of alternative, you know, ways of doing it, especially the alternative process. But, right. you know, even though my pixel takers out there, same thing. Try anything, you know, in pixel, yeah. you know, aside from analog, just keep inspiring others. Everybody yeah. inspires each other. So mm-hmm. well, who's your uh, how about how about you, Dustin? Who's your who's your highlight? Um, So. I found I'm gonna I'm gonna highlight somebody, but I also want to highlight a hashtag that I've been following that I really like, and this is how I found mm-hmm. my highlight for tonight. Uh, the hashtag is no grain, no glory, and um, okay. there's some there's some really cool pictures that people are tagging on that that hashtag. Um, and the photographer tonight, his name. Oh, definitely love. Yeah, there's some there's some really cool stuff uh, if you follow that hashtag. I'm um, definitely following it now. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's it's you know it's grainy, it's film, it's it's lovely. <laughs> but my photographer mm-hmm. tonight, uh, his name is uh, Lucas von Flingern. He's from Berlin, um, but his Instagram tag is High Flying Chronicles. He does portraits. Um, he also does like this. Like what caught me were some of his um, catch light portraits, where it's literally just the light crossing their face, and it, you know it's very. Uh, I see a lot of Rembrandt. Yeah, a lot of it's side. very much like Rembrandt lighting, and yeah. um, really good stuff. Like really nice, yeah, um, very pleasing portraits. Oh, I definitely um, agree, dude. I agree on that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, his his work is is just is just super nice, and if you scroll down, it just he's got some really cool stuff from when he was in India, um, and it's just super bright colors, exactly like you would think. And some of his compositions are not exactly like what you would expect. 
expect to see. No, I definitely um, love this because it's very up and close and personal. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and, and that's something that I've been working with or working on myself lately. So uh, when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's rad. I like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shout him out on the show. So, Lucas, you're doing great work. Um, <laughs> and I hope people go check your work out because it's pretty rad. Yeah, definitely. You're right about nice. that. Nice. Yeah. All, All right. right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of the show. Um, Jose, thanks for coming on tonight. This has been a fun conversation. No, man, thanks, I appreciate man. it. No, thank you guys for inviting me and, uh, you know, chatting with me. Yeah. And it's a pleasure talking to you guys about film and, you know, what inspires us to keep going, uh, to be creative and, you know. That's what we're here for. We want to inspire people, even if you know we're not great, the greatest photographers. You don't have to be a great photographer. You right. just gotta like doing it. Uh, yeah, and, definitely. And, and yeah, definitely. You gotta like it and and want to have some fun. Exactly. Right? Don't it, take don't take it too uh, seriously. Exactly. Oh, there's my cat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, well, there's my daughter. Note, no. On that note. Um, Guys, you can check us out on Instagram at grainy underscore days with the Z underscore podcast. If you want to send us an email, have it read on the show like we read on last week's show. That is going to be grainydays at gmail.com. We will read any email that comes to us that's actually, you know, not just like a photo for the submission for the um, logo contest, which if you do want to put a body to that, that's fine too. Speaking of the logo contest, on the Negative Positives Facebook group, we have a poll up right now. If you go check out that poll, you will see the designs that people have submitted to be our new logo to use on merch, stickers, t-shirts, um, film, film, everything. Uh, go check that out. Buttons. The winner will get a swag bag from us. So... Go show them some love and vote mm-hmm. for that logo. It's going to be our first giveaway. Right We're excited about it. It's the first of many to yep. come. Um, and on that note, I think that wraps up the show. And it's been talking to you again, Jose. We'll see you Definitely. Next where, where can I find uh, uh, my friend here, Dustin, on Instagram? Oh, my gosh. We didn't even give out our Instagrams. Um, I oh. am for the love of grain on Instagram. Uh, Ed is at Edward Conde underscore and Jose we never gave out your Instagram where can people find you people can find me at positive underscore negative underscore film exactly so guys you've heard that name before as we mentioned earlier that was Mr. Lane as his highlight on his episode when he popped in for us so go check out Jose's work it is fantastic And we will see you guys next time. Right on. Peace. Peace. Adios. (laughs) Adios.